Welcome back to Girls on Transparent. I am Jesse Katz. I'm here with my co-host Dara Golub and our special guest for today, actress Judith Light, who plays Shelley Pfefferman on the show. Um, Judith called in from L.A. where she just escaped to right before the blizzard hit us back home. She's there to uh, head out to the SAG Awards this weekend where she's nominated um, for Shelley Pfefferman as she was for the Golden Globes. Um, we ask her a lot of questions about who's the boss, uh, being children of the 80s that we are, before heading into the um, semi-controversial and very impactful role that she had on Transparent this season. Yes, we are talking about flicky flicky thump thump. You know what I mean. All right, let's listen to today's episode of Girls on Transparent with Judith Light. Listen, if you don't know, I had to come back for Critics' Choice because I've been nominated. How lovely was that? And I was flown back the week before for the Golden Globes, and I'd been nominated for that, and so was the show, and the show had been nominated. So it's like, I have to be with my, my, my folk, my peeps. I've got to be with my, my Sefferman family. So anyway, oh, so anyway, I missed the snowstorm. We were just saying to each other how glorious it was to be in it, so we relate to that feeling, absolutely. Wasn't it, was it just completely gorgeous, guys? It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It was cozy. But it doesn't say gorgeous for very long. Oh, that is true. No, it doesn't say gorgeous for very long. But I think you're going to get more snow this week. That's what I'm hearing. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Well, getting the remote report from Judith. You might want to turn on the weather because I think that's what I heard. And maybe I just heard it because I was just jealous and really (laughs) wanted to be there and was really upset and unhappy and all I could hear was snow. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I don't know what the consolation is, except life ain't so bad where you are, right? Listen, let me tell you something. My life is just fine. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> Everything's going along very nicely. Yeah. Now, I just much. saw you in Therese Rican, like, not that long ago, so I can barely keep track of you, because I felt like oh. that was just a few days ago, and now you're oh in L.A. Oh, thank you for coming. Oh, of course. I caught it on the last day, I think, so. Yeah, it, it was quite a, a, quite a daunting project, I have to say. Yeah. It was very dark, and it was very hard for people, and... Uh, but I'll tell you, I love me some Kira Knightley, boy. Mm-hmm. I love that girl. She's great. She is. She can um, hold her own on oh, stage. Oh, she is spectacular. She's just the sweetest, and she's funny, and she's just, she's marvelous. Wow, so you just did a Broadway play in between, yeah. what, how long of a hiatus was it even? Well, we had a hiatus. We had a decent hiatus. Okay. You know, I mean, we finished... Oh, well, no, I guess we didn't have that much of it. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of this year because the first year we the first year we did Transparent, we had... No, we didn't have time either. No, actually, we didn't have any time. See what happens when you don't get your snow? Do you, do you see? Do you see what happens? Um, this time, we didn't really have it because we finished in September and I was flying back and forth and we were shooting and... We had the Emmys and all of that other stuff while we were finishing up Transparent. Right. So it was a, we. I didn't really have a hiatus at all. But this time I am. I'm. You know, if hopefully if I do another play, um, towards summer or the fall or something like that, then I'll have more time because we'll be finished with Transparent somewhere. You know, late April, early May, something like that. Wow, and that's you know, clearly so we, will, so we will have some more time. So and you just you must just prefer it that way to keep. You know, for, finish one project and go back, and really preferably theater. Is it that you'd you know like to do in the time off from the show? No, you know what? 
I want a great character. Mm. It's like when you look at Shelley Sefferman in Transparent, she is extraordinary. I mean, she's the most amazingly fascinating, complex, interesting person to play. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when somebody gives me a play like Therese Rattan, which is exactly, you know, couldn't be more in the opposite realms, it, that, that's thrilling for me because it's challenging and it's an exercise. And I get to talk to women about these women that I get to play and who they are and how fascinating they are. And so that's what I love. And yes, I adore the theater, and I love to go back to the theater. And Broadway has been very, very good to me. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, so grateful for all of that. But it, you know, there are all different kinds of things that are out there. And particularly as I mature as as a person and as uh, an artist, I. I'm finding that more people are coming to me with these different kinds of things, things that they never might have thought of me for before. How exciting. So how does it feel to be back on the TV award show circuit all these it's years fantastic. later? <laughs> Is it like a weird deja vu or? Oh, no. it's one. It, listen, I've never had this kind of attention in my television career. Really? No. I had some in Ugly Betty. Um, I was nominated as Best Guest Star for the first year that I was on Ugly Betty. But I haven't had a lot of um, awards attention. So, okay, uh, you mean that? you specifically. Because no, obviously no, no, Who's the Boss had you out and about. Only on in my career. Right, right, but right. No, no, no. I have not been acknowledged the way I am being acknowledged now. Right. And it's so funny. People, I don't think people realize that. This is right. like, this is all new for me. I am... And it was my first Golden Globe nomination. It was my first, it was my second Critics' Choice nomination. But I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being included and, um, and noticed in ways that I've not been noticed before. And I attribute that absolutely to Joel Salway and Jeffrey Timber and Amy Landecker and Jay Duplass and Gabby Hoffman and our entire transparent team. I swear to God, I really do. And Amazon. Amazon is just—they are—they are it, boy. If you want to work for a great company, go work with Amazon. We are all Roy so... Price, Jeff Bezos, Joe Lewis, our executive. I mean, you can't—you—you—you—it you, just doesn't get any better than this. And that's why I say, I believe that that Jill has seen something in this character, and the writers, our brilliant writers, have seen something in this character, and and so they—they've. They, done great things by her and so I'm I'm being noticed but it's all because I'm part of a team that's helping that happen but no this is really this is my first real invitation to the dance wow well it's unbelievably well deserved and I have to say it does surprise me to hear you say that because of what fans what incredible incredible fans Jesse and I both are of your work and who's the boss? <laughs> Thank you. Children yes. of the eighties. Children of the eighties. It was such a great show. I mean, and and my Tony Danza, my God, but but we didn't get any real acknowledgement. We were a bona fide hit with the with the with the public, with the fans, but we were not a critic's darling by any means. Well, you know what's interesting too about that is that, and I've been thinking a lot about sort of the connections here is that. Who's the Boss really was um, a show that that put at the forefront, you know, upending 
societal norms and cultural norms of, of gender roles. And Angela Bauer was this amazing, independent, strong woman who, you know, left a marriage and, and wanted to pursue her career. And Tony was a was, you know, a macho man who came in and played this role of housekeeper. And and it, it, I think it speaks a lot to our society and how we've changed and how the culture has this incredible discourse around television now that, you know, the conversation around who's the boss didn't sort of go there, even though the show really addressed those issues pretty much episode to episode consistently. I don't know if you would agree with that, but it I felt. Totally and and I think that the role of Angela was incredible and, and it just an, an, an independent woman. And um, the. Do you know how many young girls come up to me now and say that she was their role model? Really? For being an independent woman. And literally, almost word for word, what you just said. Yeah. And that is to ABC's credit. Because Stu Bloomberg, who was an executive at ABC, said, let's switch these roles. And when they did that, all of a sudden the world turned upside down. And I totally agree. You did feel it. Was was there sort of a, a buzz? I mean, was that written about much when the show came out? I mean... No, people didn't talk about it, but we all knew yeah. that it was on the cutting edge of something that had not been seen before. That was sort of talked about been, in the cast. And had not been talked about. And because we weren't a critic's darling in many ways, I think people didn't bring up those conversations. But if you'll go back and look at old interviews that I did, talked about that a lot. It had and to what be. it meant And it, what, what it meant to so many women. Not just what, you know, and a lot of women said, oh, I just loved what Angela Bauer wore and she was a style icon and all of that stuff. But it was really about somebody who was following her her dream and her life plan and what she really wanted. And she was being brave. And she was also being fragile mm-hmm. and silly and vulnerable and allowing another human being who happened to be a man mm-hmm. help take care of her and her child, which was a really big deal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at first she didn't want it, and then she had this wonderfully, fabulously pushy mother who said, yes, you're going to do this, and that's <laughs> what you're going to do. But it was all done with this kind of loving grace that I, I think was very important. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And you were doing that show around the time when you did become involved as an advocate, did these things coincide at all in terms of reason for your getting into activism, or were you just becoming more socially aware in a way, or was it pretty much? You know what was what was starting to happen that I saw was the, um, and this was like nineteen. You know, we shot that pilot in nineteen eighty three, and we we went to series in nineteen eighty four. I mean, you're talking about a long time ago. And when, during those years, those were the years of the beginnings of the AIDS pandemic. Right. And the height of the AIDS pandemic. And I started to notice that I had been, because I had been in the theater before, I had started to notice that there were people that I knew that were dying. And I was stunned and I didn't understand what was happening. And then I started doing movies of the week on my hiatus from the show. And my agent at the time, David Eidenberg, called ABC and said, you're going to do the Ryan White story, and I think Judith Light should play Jeannie White. Hmm. Now, nobody could have been farther from that in their minds, but they went along with it, to their credit. Mm -hmm. And when I started seeing what was happening, 
and I started realizing that the world was turning upside down, and I saw that the level of homophobia that was in this country was staggering. In a country where we all say, no, 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 we are compassionate, we are loving, we are there for our brothers and sisters, and I saw that that was not so toward my my friends, my my gay friends, my people who had supported me, who I considered family. And I just said, wait a minute, I, I, I don't feel comfortable not saying something. I'm seeing something happening here, and I don't feel right about being silent. And so that's how that happened. Wow. I remember seeing that movie. Really? Remember, yeah. yeah, it scared the hell out of me. Of course. Of course. Everybody was frightened then. Yeah, but it wasn't something that you saw on you know, family hour TV in that age. That, and that was ABC's bravery. Yeah. That was ABC taking a taking a, a real leap of faith and putting it out there. And, and of course, they were very connected with Ryan, who was still alive at the time, and his mother, Jeannie, and we all became very close friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was, and there were, there was a company, the Landsberg Company, wonderful people who'd done a lot of movies for the week, and they produced it. And it was, um, it was a, a really brave thing to do at the time. And people, I mean, people wrote me and said, I'll never watch you again. And, oh, oh, okay. That's probably a sign that you're doing something right. Yeah. What uh, what incredible homes, television homes you've had. <laughs> so brave. Hello. <laughs> Unreal. So, I know. Um, That's so funny. Nobody's ever brought that up. I've never thought about it. It's, it's absolutely a, true. I mean, I, I have to just make one more connection between who's the boss and transparent, and then we'll move on to Shelly. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but as I was thinking about Angela and who's the boss and going through, you know, little vignettes that I love and things that I love, and I started to sing the theme song in my head as I was driving over here, and I was just struck by the connection. So Jesse and I talked in our last podcast about um, episode three, There's a New World Coming, Mm -hmm. and how I felt that that was emblematic sort of not only of that episode, but of the season, and how it was woven so beautifully and by the by the young group Fussy Puss and also by Nina Simone. And so you have this sort of like motif throughout and I thought it was beautiful. And um, so those lyrics are, there's a new world coming and it's just around the bend. There's a new world coming. This one's coming to an end. And then I thought about the Who's the Boss theme song. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. And then I looked it up and it's, you know. <laughs> sing it, sing it. <laughs> Judith Dar is a singer, so we have to put her to the test now. Ugh. So... There's a time for love and a time for living. You take take a chance and face the wind. An open road and a road that's hidden. A brand new life around the bend. There were times I lost a dream or two. Found the trail. At the end was you. There's a path you take and a path untaken. The choice is up to you, my friend. Nights are long, but you might awaken to a brand new life. Brand new life, a brand new life around the bend. Oh, you have a beautiful voice. Well, can you believe that, though? Wow. Those two songs. And I looked up, so the theme song was written by the creators of Who's the Boss? Martin Cohen and Blake Hunter, and they nailed it. I mean, they knew what this show was about. They totally got it. And in a lighthearted, you know, 
80s sitcom way. They were able yeah. to put that in a song that was yeah. played at the beginning of every episode. And in episode three, There's a New World Coming, it ushers in this whole theme of evolution and transformation and discovery and growth that we're going to go through in the whole season of Transparent. And I just thought being part of these two things must, I mean, just congratulations and, and how powerful it is. Um, to, to speak with you. And to, to how, how astute of you to find this. Isn't it beautiful? And to equate them and to bring them full circle. Yes. And you have no idea how important it is to me that you've done that. Oh. You just don't have any idea. Because I, I... we often don't know and the Pusabas theme song says it. We don't know where the new life will be. We don't know what that will be. And in my wildest dreams, I could have never expected Transparent to come my way. And we often think at the time, oh, what is this that I'm doing? Does it have any significance at all? And that's always been really important to me. And the fact that you've brought the two and tied them together is so moving to me. I just can't even tell you. It makes me incredibly emotional. I I agree. It felt like a, a closing of a circle for me and my youth as well, and, and how much this show means to me and how much that show meant to me. It was a really special <laughs> discovery wow. as well. You um, should be singing at 54 <laughs> Below, honey. Can we do it together? No, I don't think so. Your voice is way better than mine. That's beautiful. That was such a treat. Wow. All right, let's move. Let's move on because that's what life is. To to Shelley. Well, okay. Here's my question, Judith. On a less serious note, Uh, how much of of Catherine Hellman, who played Mona, is in Shelley Pfefferman? Because when I think of of great female characters of you know over 50 who we've seen in television in my lifetime right. i think of blanche Devereaux on golden girls right i think of mona on who's the boss right and now we have shelly pfefferman <laughs> and it's a very small elite group well there it is a small group and that's partly because not everybody is writing to that of course and that's where jill soloway comes in yeah. mm-hmm. there are people who are actually writing to this now, and I think you're going to see more. I wouldn't say that Mona was much more elegant in <laughs> her true. own way, and <laughs> and more um, sexually out there in innuendo and flirtation than Shelley is. Mm-hmm. Although Shelley's Shelley's, Shelley's coming out of her shell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shelley has, has her own form, but yeah. that is it's, it's different. It's not like Mona, and no. you could have never seen a bathtub scene like we played. Oh my yesterday. goodness! You could never have seen that. But no. you believe me. I said to Jill, I said, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. Yeah, we'll get to Unreal. that. We'll get to Unreal. that. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. but I, I think Mona was very different from Shelley. Yeah. And I think Blanche was very different from Shelley. I think Blanche was more in the in the vein of Mona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but Shelley is her very much own kind of woman over 50. Yes. And very much lost in a world where she could never seem to find herself. And we never see that directly. 
mm-hmm. except in these quiet moments where you just catch a glimpse of her. Mm-hmm. But her pain and her loneliness and her need to be with other people and having no idea how to do that is what makes Shelley tender and fragile and funny and we accept her with all of her flaws because she's just so out there. But literally, for a person who wants nothing more than to be connected to other people, particularly her children and her husband, mm-hmm. she has no idea how, how to go about it. <laughs> yeah. And so you can feel for someone like that rather than rejecting them and saying, oh, my God, she's the most... By the way, people watch her and come up to me and say, oh, my God, she is the most horrible, narcissistic person I have ever seen in my entire life, and I adore her. So you can't, you can't, you can't know. We all are so worried about being perfect for everybody and being this perfect person. And if we only knew that people would love us for the the pain we have for the imperfections of who we are. And I think that's why a lot of people are very connected to the show, Transparent, because they see that, because they feel that. They come up to me and they say, oh, my God, your children are horrifying. I say, well, look, they didn't have a good mother and they never had, and they didn't have a father. What do you expect? (laughs) So how much, take us back to the the beginning of your relationship with, with Jill Soloway and the show, and I don't know if they came at the same time or if they if we knew Jill and it sort of developed that way. And then no. also, how did you develop this such unique, you know, vibrant character that we all know? Unique, but so but recognizable. So recognizable. Especially to every Jew that right. I've ever talked to who's seen this show. It's so funny because my manager, called, who, who I've been with for 36 years, Herb Hampshire, called it divine choreography. I swear to you, I was in New York doing a play, and my agent said, come down to the office. Jill Soloway wants to have a Skype call with you about this project she's doing. And we sat for 45 minutes on that Skype call, and we talked about our LGBTQ activism. That's what we talked about. That's how she connected. I mean, you, yes. ha- you, hadn't, I, you hadn't known her before. No. Okay. I knew who she was. Right. I knew, I knew, I mean, Six Feet Under was one of my favorite shows. Um, I right. adored her. Right. I mean, I adored her writing and I knew who she was. But I got off the phone and I called Herb and I said, I have to do this. I have to work with this woman. And I hadn't been back in LA. And you know, the show is LA centric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had been in New York working on Broadway for quite a while. And I said, this could bring me back to LA. Mm-hmm. And also, remember, Jeffrey Kimball is a long-time friend of mine. We've oh. known each other. We worked together in repertory theater uh, in Milwaukee Rep uh, many, many, many years ago. We sat at the start of our careers. Wow. And I knew that I was going to get to work with him. And I think he's so brilliant, and I wanted to work with him. Mm-hmm. And and Jill knew that, too. And I think that was important to Jill, that I felt that way about Jeffrey, that I loved him so much. And we had done a... A, a funny series that was very short-lived. He and John Lithgow did a show on NBC called 20 Good Years, and I played Jeffrey's girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. Which was an insane oh. show, really <gasps> fabulous and funny and great. And and I played this really crazy girl. Wow. Uh, who was his girlfriend. But that we hadn't worked together after that. And so, I mean, it was just knowing that I would get to do that with him and get to work with Jill. And, you know, I mean, and the 
Gabby Hoffman and Amy Landbecker, and I knew about J.B. Plus, I knew about the Duplass brothers, and I, I just knew that this could, this could be something really special. Yeah. The way Jill was talking about it, the way she was holding it, the way she was framing it, and that she wanted to change the conversation in the world, and that she wanted to lift the culture. All of those things that I've always wanted to do, that I've always thought were really important, that if you were an artist, that you could make art that would connect to people and make people love each other differently and be less bigoted and less controlled and be more loving. And I just thought, here it is. Here it is. Divine choreography is the most beautiful way to put it. Isn't it That's the most just, perfect thing? That is perfect. I know. I know. So how did you um, define Shelley's distinct way of speaking and mannerisms? Because that kind of character could easily go into shtick. And caricature. Yeah, but you because somehow I, keep I, it just the side of recognizable. I mean, d- did you know women like Shelley that you modeled yourself after? How did you, I, how did you I, keep I it from going like that far? We all know women like yeah. Shelley. And, <laughs> and, you know, that but I didn't model her after. You're talking about brilliant writing. You're talking about people who understand the depth of a character so that it doesn't become caricature. Mm-hmm. And I I said to Joe, I said, keep an eye on me. Do not let me go too far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be my eyes. Don't let me, let me create her so you feel her. Don't let me create her so you are standing outside watching her. Mm-hmm. And she has done that as have the other directors. And I think that's really important that people do that for each other. And it was funny, one day in the first season, Jill came up to me, I don't remember where we were sitting in in Shelley's living room, and she said, where does she come from in you? And I said, I I don't really know. (laughs) I said, I I know some women like her, but to answer your question, I just, I don't really know. Something happens when I read the script, and when we get in those clothes, we have the most brilliant costume designers and the hair and the makeup and the glasses. And it's like, there she is. It's not just one thing. It's not just me doing my homework. It's not just, it's, it's the writing and the camaraderie and the teamwork and the connection and the other actors. And it's like, if you just, you, that's why I say it's the most unusual kind of working situation. With just the most incredible crew. So tell us briefly about that scene that everyone, I mean, <laughs> can't stop talking about flicky, flicky, thump, thump. Yeah. Name of the episode, name of the scene. I mean, how challenging, how, you know, rewarding by the end. How, tell us about that for you. Well, there's a couple of things that you should know. One is that we have a cinematographer named James Frona who makes everybody feel incredibly safe. And uh, we have um, other cinematographers. Our DJ is wonderful. But in this particular case, Jimmy Fona was in the room with us. And we work with a woman named Joan Sheckle that worked with Jill on her movie where she won Best Director at Sundance for a movie called Afternoon Delight. And Joan Sheckle talks about... We never... Jill said, I want you all to go to this workshop with me because... She works with emotion, and it's very difficult to describe, but basically, you never read a line from a scene. You never say a line from a scene. You do all these different exercises, and in doing these different exercises, you find your way to 
the emotional life of the person that you're playing, which also means their body language and their physicality. And it comes from an organic place rather than from a thinking place. You're not in your head. You're in your body. And so we had done a lot of work with Joan in the beginning of the season. And then when I, I, I saw the scene and I went, oh, my God, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm brave enough to do this. And I said to Herb, I don't think I can do this. And he said, you have to do it. You have to. We don't talk about women who, and mature women and their sexuality. You, you, you have to do it. And I went to Joe and I said, I don't think I can do this. I'm really, really nervous. I'm really afraid, embarrassed. I kind of come off weird. At, and she took such good care of me. And I went to Jeffrey, and I told him, I'm afraid, and I'm nervous. And we talked about how Jeffrey felt and what it meant for him. And we never stopped talking mm -hmm. about it. And we never stopped talking about the whole process. And on the day, Joe cleared the entire building. There was no one in the building. No one at Video Village, nobody in the building. And it was the four of us in this set. Jimmy Fona, the cinematographer, Jill, Jeffrey, and me. And we held hands before we started. And we just asked that this be given in the way that it was meant to be given. And it took hours to do. And when we finished, Jeffrey texted me, and I have to see, I have to tell you exactly what he texted me because it was so amazing. He was so caring of me and so delicate with me and so just precious and and ah uh, here it is and this is so interesting because it was friday july 10th which was my mother's birthday and my mother's no longer alive and the text that he sent me was that's about as good as it gets Dot, dot, dot. Thank you. Uh, well, that's everything. <clears throat> so you didn't regret doing it. <laughs> no. You made the I, right I choice. No. And, and the other thing you need to know is that they manufactured all these bubbles to keep me covered. And Jill was the one that went out and got the bubbles yeah. and covered me up. Wow. It was an exquisite scene. It Thank was you. just, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was very shocking for me and very shocking for everybody, I think, in a lot of ways. And probably one of those, I mean, I just love in that scene, the beginning starts off with Maura, you know, trying on her boobs. Yeah. And and the way that it, the, the way that it progresses and then just. And I think we talked about how we aren't even sure what Maura's sexuality is. Right. At that point in the show, we're exactly. not sure if she's attracted to women. Right. Right. Let alone Shelley. Right. And the way she responds to you offering to reciprocate just asks a lot more questions. Exactly. And that's Jill's brilliance. Right. So brilliant. How much did you and Jill talk about Judaism and the Jewishness of your character? We didn't. We didn't have to. Well, you know, there are so many, there's so many Jews on the set. It was sort of like, 
so it's you know it's like okay and they're Jews yeah so let's be Jews <laughs> you know what I mean like you've so been to a breakfast you've been to a, a Jewish wedding you've been to you've done it done it all of course of course <laughs> right. so you know it's like it's a lot of that so it was like amazing all right. Yeah. Well, what can you tell us about going into season three? When when do you I guys can't start? I you a lot because I don't know a lot. I know, but I I, I mean know, I know I Jill's in Sundance. And... No, no, no. She's gonna tell us stuff as time goes on, but I don't really know a whole lot. Oh, that's so exciting. I just know I I I know they'll I know they'll do good by me. Yeah. I know I'll be excited. <laughs> I know it will be full and rich and things to be confronted and challenges to meet it will be and it will be joyous and we will give it away to all of you just how do you guys usually start do you start just by hanging out and getting reacquainted with each other we do a little bit of that but at the first table read jill just stops and takes a moment of gratitude Mm -hmm. and we just stop and we are grateful for this ability that we have to do the show and be with people that we adore to do the show nice all right well thank you judith we adore you we adore the show keep please just keep doing exactly what you're doing thank you thank you for being so sweet and for staying so late in snowy new york oh this is our delight thank you we'll fall into a snowbank and think of you (laughs) we'll talk again okay thank you thanks lovelies bye-bye